Today's sermon is going to be about prayer. Prayer is different things to different folks. Um, There was a little child named Johnny who was acting real bad one day. His parents put him in his room and said, you stay there until you get this figured out. Johnny came out a little bit later and said, Mom, Dad, I prayed to God. I think we got this worked out. And he said, good, Johnny. Did you pray that you'd learn how to act a little bit better? He said, no. I prayed that y'all would have a little more understanding. (laughs) All right, let us pray. Dear Lord, as we look at your word today, please open our hearts and our minds and our spirit to it. Let it come into our hearts and let, it, let us take it out into the world with us. Lord, please lead me and guide me as I speak. And please help us all to hear your word. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm focusing on the Old Testament today. And um, God and Solomon here. Now, this thing... The, the, the reading starts out with David sleeping with his ancestor. Solomon's taken the, the throne, and, and he is worried about how he's going to do things. And God comes to him at night, and they enter into this discussion. Well, the first discussion, it talks about how good a man David was. In fact, the, old, the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. I've always wondered how outsiders that aren't real familiar with the Bible but know a little bit about it think about that. Now David, as all of us, was not a perfect man. He was a very violent man. In fact, he was so violent that uh, that's one of the reasons God didn't allow him to build the temple, assigned it to Solomon. David was an adulterer. He took another man's wife. And when he... When she became pregnant, he tried to hide it. And then he had Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, killed so that he could take her for his wife. And even with all of that, we see God and Solomon talking about what a good fellow David was. And they talk about here, they talk about Solomon followed in in David's ways, walking in the statutes of the Father, except for he sacrificed at the high places. They weren't supposed to sacrifice at the high places. There were specific rules against that. And we know Solomon, he had his problems later down the road too. So how is it that David and Solomon were pleasing to the Lord? They were pleasing to the Lord because they tried imperfectly to do his will. But they fell short, and we all fall short. That's something we know from the Bible also. But the thing about God is, even if we fall short, see, God sees us as we are. God knows when we fall short. He knows where we've made our mistakes. But God doesn't only see us as we are. God sees us as we were meant to be. There's a story that Michelangelo was working on a piece, a huge piece of granite. And somebody came up to him and said, Michelangelo, what are you making here? And he said, I'm not making anything. 
I'm releasing this angel that's trapped in this block of granite. And that's the way God sees us. He sees the angel inside of that block of granite. Jesus came to save sinners, not because we're good, but because God sees us lovingly as we can be and as we are meant to be. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are the hammer and the chisel. Jesus' death and resurrection were the first blow. And that work continues and will continue and will not be finished until we see our God face to face in paradise. And the closer we get to God, the more that hammer and chisel comes down. And that hammer and chisel can be painful and can be a little bit scary. And many people walk away from it. Many people walk away because they don't like parts of themselves getting knocked off. Their little chips are flying all over the place. And there are certain parts of them they don't want to get knocked off. They may well know those pieces aren't good for them, but they don't want them to go. We're afraid. We're afraid of losing a piece of ourselves. Even if losing that piece of ourselves might ultimately make us better, and even if we know it. Getting those pieces knocked off hurts. But just like anything else, pain and fear are necessary. We all know nothing comes good without some sacrifice, without some pain, some suffering. Anybody that's been to school knows that sometimes you got to give up your night out with your buddies so that you can study for that real hard test the next day that you're afraid if you don't, you're going to get kicked out of school. Anybody that's ever participated in a sport knows you got to do those extra reps to get there and give up something going out with your friends again just so you can get ready. Just like it takes that extra effort mentally and physically, it takes the same extra effort spiritually. So how do we deal with this pain and this suffering, the things, the pieces getting knocked off when we're afraid, when it hurts, how do we deal with it? One of the ways is with prayer. Now, there's Christian prayer and there's worldly prayer, and I don't want to get too confused. Uh, worldly prayer comes about a lot of times when you're scared and lost and have no hope. The old saying is there's no atheist in a foxhole. Worldly prayer usually starts out with a kind of a bargaining deal. Dear God, you get me out of this, and I promise I'll do that. And sometimes you're actually not dealing with God, you're dealing with something else, i.e. Faust. And usually if God gets you out, or whoever does gets you out of that situation, your part of the bargain kind of comes, well, you know, I don't know. I don't think I really quite got to do that. 
And oftentimes you don't. The other kind of worldly prayer is kind of like God is a genie. You know, if you pray enough, it's just like rubbing that lamp. And everybody's entitled to three wishes, right? If I pray hard enough, I'll get what I pray for. But that's not Christian prayer. The Bible has a lot to say about prayer. Paul tells us, pray continually. Devote yourself to prayer. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Now, if we're to pray continually, what's, how, how does that mean? Are we asking for something all the time? Well, we could be, and we should be. But, you know, the Bible also tells us that God knows what you need before you ask. See, often we pray for the wrong things. Things that look really, really good to us are not good for us. When I was a kid, I would have preferred to live on potato chips and ice cream. To me, that would have been the perfect diet and a little bit of meat here and there. I like my hamburgers and hot dogs and such. But my mother was a dietitian. And every meal was a meat, a starch, and two vegetables. And you had to eat at least one bite of everything put on the table. And I'm very thankful for that. If I'd have grown up eating potato chips and ice cream, I probably wouldn't be here right now. And I learned to like just about every food, except for mashed turnips. I don't like mashed turnips. If you invite me to your house, don't give me mashed turnips. So then, why do we pray? If God already knows what we want, and if God's not going to give us, just like my mom wouldn't let me eat ice cream and potato chips all day, God's not going to give you something that you want if it's not good for you. No matter how good it looks to you, he's not going to let you have it. Because he loves you, and he wants right done by you. So, why do we pray? What is the real reason for praying? The real reason for praying is to get closer to God. To enter into a conversation with Him. To enter into a relationship with Him. Like it or not, God created us to be His children. That's the reason God made us. To be His children. And he wants to be our parent. And he seeks that child-parent relationship in everything he does and calls us to seek it too. And God is the perfect parent. He wants nothing for the best but the best for us. He rejoices in our successes And when he rejoices, all heaven rejoices with him. And he feels our pain when we do, when we have pain. And so does all of heaven too. Any parent or anybody that you have, somebody you love, you know, when you get a call from your kids, when it's over, you're either ecstatic or totally depressed.
It's just the way it is. When your child succeeds, you feel ecstatic. You feel better than if you had done it yourself. If your child calls in pain, you're ready to get on the plane and go there. And that's the way God is. God wants, he rejoices when we do right. He feels pain when we do wrong. God will do anything for us. His love is such that he'll do anything he can to bring us into that relationship. Even sacrificing his own son, Jesus Christ, for us. How can anybody resist a love like that? Thanks be to God.